Hey friend, I hope you're having an amazing day. Today we're going to talk about, are you ready? Ready for it? Quantum physics. Now don't worry, we won't be doing any math problems today, but we are going to look at one important aspect of how the universe works. Because when you think you've encountered the last worst thing in your life, I'm going to show you how it would look from a physicist's point of view. I'm going to teach you a new way to look at what you might think is the hardest or worst thing you could ever go through. Look, quantum physicists know something most of us don't know, and it can change your life. We're going to learn how to find hope when all seems lost by nerding out with the quantum physics guys from the 1920s and 1930s. So grab your calculator, grab your pocket protector, get some tissues, and get ready because we're going to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. In my book, I've seen the end of you, a neurosurgeon's look at faith, doubt, and the things we think we know. I told a story about a friend of mine from high school. She married her high school sweetheart, and she seemed to be living a storybook life. But then her husband developed a brain tumor, a glioblastoma, which is really mankind's deadliest disease. He died, and she was devastated. And that could have been the end of her story. It could have been, as Lisa commonly says, it could have been the last worst thing to happen to her. She could have lived the rest of her life alone, bitter, angry, desperate, and sad. But she didn't. A few years later, she found new love, ended up having a family and a new life when it seemed like all was lost. But now she's got beautiful kids, and they have great lives. They're grown now. But none of that would have happened. Those people in that relationship wouldn't even exist if her first husband hadn't developed a glioblastoma. So that kind of thing always makes me think, how do we know in a given moment What's good or bad or best or worst? How do we know when hard things happen how the rest of our lives are going to play out? Now, I've been watching people deal with hardship and disease, disability, and death my whole career. Unfortunately, neurosurgery lends itself to being around a lot of difficult, desperate situations. And as I shared with you a few episodes back, my own family was dealt a huge blow in 2013 when our son Mitch died. So when I say that seeing how people, including me and Lisa and our family, deal with hard things has taught me more about life than I ever learned in medical school, trust me. And to explain the biggest lesson I've learned in all of this, 
we need to talk about quantum physics. Now, there's a principle called uncertainty, and it's relevant to you and me and every human who has ever lived. In 1927, there was a German physicist named Werner Heisenberg. You should read about Heisenberg, by the way. I'll put a link to his bio in the show notes. It turns out he ended up being arrested by the Nazis and investigated and had to work for the German government during the war and did all this work that ended up being part of the nuclear weapons program. And All kinds of fascinating stuff happened around the scientists of Germany and the United States in World War II. But that's an aside. So Heisenberg came up with something that he became famous for later called the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle. And the Uncertainty Principle basically says that you cannot know precisely the position and the velocity of an object at the same time. You can't measure speed and position of an object exactly precisely at the same moment. And to really understand what Heisenberg was talking about, You have to know that as scientists at that time, that the scientists were working on trying to figure out how things worked on the subatomic scale. They were trying to understand the behavior of the smallest particles of the atoms that make up everything. And they kept realizing that the physics equations of how large things work, if you drop an apple, it falls. Those equations that describe how things work in the observable real world. Those equations and the math and the predictions they could make from them didn't hold up when they got down to looking at atoms and molecules and how they behave. And we don't have to get out into the weeds of all that today, primarily because I don't understand it well enough to explain it to you. But suffice it to say, if we're looking at something big, like an elephant standing in your yard, for example, we don't have too much trouble measuring its size, speed, and location. It's not so mysterious to us other than the what in the world is an elephant doing in my yard kind of questions and the other obvious questions that would bring to mind if you actually saw an elephant standing in your yard in Wyoming in the wintertime. If I toss you a ball, the flight of that ball is fairly predictable. You'll reach out and catch it, and we can both agree on the gist of what just happened. But the trouble comes when we try to explain how the tiny particles that make up those elephants and those balls, how we explain how those little bitty particles, electrons and protons and neutrons and even smaller particles, how those things work becomes difficult with math that works when you're looking at big things. And know this, when these brilliant physicists started trying to study how these atoms behave and interact with each other, they couldn't figure out why the math equations didn't work. When they were trying to predict, for example, an electron's behavior using normal physics equations, they always failed. If you shoot a stream of electrons into a box that's got a detector on the other side and you try to use normal math equations to predict where those electrons are going to end up, classical physics equations give you the wrong answers every time. And these guys were trying to figure all this stuff out, and they were being stumped by it because electrons kept fooling them. Sometimes electrons acted like particles, like a ball bouncing around, and sometimes they acted like waves, like sound and light. And the scientists held these big conferences in the 1920s and early 1930s where they yelled and argued with each other and tried to figure out whose interpretation of their observations was correct. And even Einstein couldn't figure it out. And Heisenberg came along and articulated the problem a little bit more clearly. You can't know for sure, you can't know exactly the location and the speed of an object at the same time. If you want to very precisely know where something is, you have to make it stop moving. But if it's moving, you can't precisely measure the speed of it and know exactly where it is 
at the same moment because as soon as you measure the speed, it's already in a different place than it was when you started trying to measure its speed. So speed and location can't be precisely measured at the same moment. I know this sounds really theoretical, but these guys were on to the math and the physics of what eventually would produce atom bombs and nuclear-powered submarines and power plants and MRI machines and televisions and the computer or smartphone that you're listening to this podcast on right now. Now, I'm about to tell you how all this ties into a podcast about hope and faith and doubt and neuroscience and self-brain surgery. But before we go further, let me give you this week's thing that helps. There's a guy named Scotty Smiley. On April 6th, 2005, he was a first lieutenant in the United States Army. And he got blown up by a suicide bomber. And the shrapnel from that suicide bomber, the car that he blew up, went through both of Scotty Smiley's eyes and gave him a serious brain injury. And a couple of hours later... I met Scotty, who was unconscious at the time, in the tent hospital at Balad Air Base in Iraq. I was the neurosurgeon that operated on him. I was the neurosurgeon that called his wife Tiffany back in the States and told her that her husband had been seriously injured and might not survive, and certainly if he did survive, that he would be blind forever. But the best part of that story, the, the, the next part of that story, is that I didn't know for years, but it turns out that Scotty Smiley recovered, not his vision, but his life. And since that day, he has surfed in Hawaii, skied in Vail, skydived, climbed Mount Rainier, completed an Ironman triathlon, graduated from Duke University with an MBA in business. He was named by the Army Times as the Soldier of the Year for 2007. And in 2008, he won an ESPY award, from ESPN as the world's best outdoor athlete. Scotty received the Bronze Star and the Purple Heart and teaches at West Point and is an investment banker. And he and Tiffany have had three boys since he got back from the Iraq War. He's even gotten an honorary PhD from a college in New York. And Scotty wrote a book about his experience called Hope Unseen. And that book will change your life. If you think you've been through hard times, and I'm certain that you have, Scotty's book will give you some perspective. It's probably the best example that I can think of. Scotty's story is probably the best example I can think of to illustrate the entire point that I'm trying to make in this episode. And here it is. You can't know how a particular event in your life will play out until you let it play out. You can't get through it except by going through it. And that, my friend, is why hope is so important. Scotty, like my friend I talked about a while ago, could have become bitter. He could have given up. He could have become depressed and laid down and died or just laid there and let him push him around in a wheelchair blind for the rest of his life. But he didn't. He kept going. He got up. He started training. He and Tiffany found work. Now, they both are major influencers. They go all around the country and give incredible talks and help people, motivate people, inspire people. And they've changed lives. They probably saved lives. And they've got a beautiful family. And he went on to write this amazing book. And there's even a movie about him and his Ironman triathlon that he ran while blind, I might remind you. And that movie's available, by the way, on Amazon Prime. I'll put a link in the show notes for it. And it's amazing. And all of that because he never gave up hope. Now let's get back to physics for just a minute. And then I'll tell you how all of this stuff is relevant 
to your life. After Heisenberg and Einstein and others mapped out the basics of what they ended up calling quantum mechanics to start explaining and predicting the behavior of the tiniest particles in life, another physicist, a guy named Erwin Schrodinger, came along, and in 1935, he produced a thought experiment that's now called Schrodinger's cat. It's kind of a famous thing within physics. And basically, Schrodinger tried to give these theoretical ideas about how electrons behave on the subatomic level. He tried to give them a real-world analogy, like try to explain how these little particles and all the discussions and conversations and letters and arguments that the physicists were having, he tried to give it a real-world example, an analogy, to try to illustrate it for, for people. And the idea that he had the hardest time with was something called superposition. Basically, Schrodinger's a cat situation was this. If you put a cat in a box, and inside the box there's a nuclear material that is either going to emit a particle that will release a poison gas or not, then at some point inside the box, the cat will either die from the poison gas or won't die from the poison gas. So if you're standing outside the box and the box is closed, you don't know if the cat is alive or dead. But you would assume that the cat is either alive or dead. And Schrodinger said if you open the box and you observe whether or not the cat is alive or dead, then you have interacted with, you've created an observer bias that has produced the outcome that you're witnessing, that the cat is either alive or the cat is dead. But the problem with quantum physics was that electrons were behaving in a way that wasn't one thing or the other thing. It was often both things. And they came up with this idea called superposition. It was a term that they coined to explain the behavior that they kept observing in electrons. They seemed to be in two places at one time. They seemed to be able to spin in more than one direction at the same time. And in the real world, you can't do that. You can't have a ball spinning clockwise on your finger and also spinning clockwise, counterclockwise on your finger at the same time. So since the physicist didn't yet have the ability to explain how an electron could be in two places at once, how it could exist in two different states at once, they came up with this notion of superposition, a way of describing the movement of particles when there's no real-world equivalent. If, if I throw you a ball, we can both agree where the ball is, but an electron can be in more than one place at the same time. And old Erwin Schrodinger explained that with the cat story. And even he thought it was preposterous. You put the cat in the box with the radioactive device and a poison, and before you look in the box, you would assume in real world that the cat's either alive or dead. But since we're talking about electrons and not cats, it turns out the cat is both alive and dead at the same time. And the point of all that is that you can't be certain until you observe it, measure it, but that your measurements can't be precise in every way at the same time, according to Heisenberg. So it's a conundrum. And that one point, my friend, is the entire reason that I brought physics into this podcast today. Remember my friend that I mentioned earlier? She lost her first husband to a brain tumor, a glioblastoma, and she was devastated. It could have been, as Lisa puts it, the last worst thing that happened in her life. She could have given up. She could have become miserable. She could have died alone. But then she remarried a few years later, ended up with two kids who are now grown, and they have their own lives and their own kids. And I guarantee you 
that she ran smack into the same conundrum that everybody who's ever been through a divorce or lost a spouse has encountered. Let me tell you from my perspective, I don't think I've ever said this out loud to anybody, but Lisa. Lisa, my wife, is absolutely my soulmate. But she wasn't my first wife. I was married for 16 years before Lisa. And I went through a terrible divorce. And every time I think to myself, wow, I wish I'd met Lisa 20 years earlier, I have to stop myself. Because if I had, we wouldn't have the five kids that we have. Lisa, if if she had married me 20 years earlier, she wouldn't have Josh and Katie, and I wouldn't either. And I wouldn't have Kimber, Mitch, and Kalen. And we wouldn't have three grandkids. And my friend's two kids, if she had met her second husband first, those two kids wouldn't exist because it would have been a different time frame. And their entire lives and all the influences and experience that they would have, that they do have, wouldn't exist if her first husband had not had brain cancer. So the question is this, which one of those two realities is best? Was one of them good and one of them bad? Was one of them bad and the other one good? Of course not. Which is worse, for your first husband to die and you marry your second husband or your first husband to live and you never know your second husband? Which one's worse? You can't answer that, right? It's impossible to put a quantity or a quality onto that. Was it bad that he had a brain tumor? Of course it was. Was it good that she found her second husband and had those two amazing kids? Of course it is. They're both true at the same time. How do you explain that? How do you understand it and place it in context when all these hard things happen in life? How do you deal with that? And I would suggest to you today that the way that we can deal with it is to fall back on the quantum physics explanation of superposition. It's physics. There's no real-world example of how it can be possible for Romans 8.28 to be true when it says God works all things together for good for those who love him because there are some things, friend, that are absolutely not good, like your 19-year-old son dying. But I can honestly say, given the space and time of six years of observing its after-effects, that some good has come from losing Mitch. It's hard to say. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to share. But I started blogging and podcasting in 2014 because of losing Mitch, because I was trying to write through and talk through my pain and what my family was going through and find some way to redeem it. And I'm going to tell you this right now. At least two people, I know it's two because two people have reached out to us over the years, so at least two people have written to me to say that something I wrote or something I said on my podcast kept them from committing suicide. Two people. So there are at least two people in the world who would not be alive today if Mitch was. Listen, it is not good that I lost my son. But it is good that those two people are alive. It's not good that my friend's husband died, but it is good that she has two children with her second husband. Those two realities are my version of Schrodinger's cat. They are simultaneously true. They are superpositioned onto one another. They are one electron spinning clockwise and counterclockwise at the same time. It's impossible, but it's possible. Look, there's a reason why physicists are so intimidating. 
It's because their beautiful minds can see things in all those numbers that normal people cannot see because the math is so very, very, very hard. But thank God for them because without them, we wouldn't have computers or microwave ovens or smartphones, and I wouldn't have a metaphor to help me and hopefully help you understand how the worst thing that can possibly happen can at the same time be the very thing that saves someone else's life. Is it good or is it bad? I don't know. I can't observe it at the same time. Is this the last worst thing, this thing that you're going through? Is it the worst thing that's going to happen to you? Or is it the beginning of something new? It's uncertain at the time. Because of the physics lesson, though, because I'm bringing you quantum physics and giving you some tools, you can know this one thing. Know this and count on it. This is where you'll find your hope. Here it is. Rippling out from every moment in your life is a chain reaction that is producing realities through time and through space that can restore hope and help you and others even while it feels like it's killing you. You might think you have to choose, good or bad, but quantum physics says it can be both at the same time. That's how Isaiah 61 can be true, when God says that he can give us beauty from ashes, when he can give us joy from sorrow, when the sorrow might linger through the night, but joy comes with the morning. That's because of superposition. It's because of quantum physics in your heart. You don't have to be a German physicist. You don't have to have a box with a cat that's both dead and alive at the same time. But life is uncertain. You can observe that in the real world, and you will. But it takes a quantum view to really see what's happening down deep. And it's beautiful, and it's terrifying, and it's hard to understand, but it explains everything. Listen, losing my son was awful and horrifying, and it never stops hurting. But my work that was birthed from that pain has saved at least two lives. And your pain can be redeemed too. Your life still has meaning and purpose despite the painful circumstances you are or have or will go through. Because of superposition, though, because it doesn't spin just one direction, it can be more than one thing at the same time. And thank God, or it would be unbearable. If you start learning to see the physics of your own life, that's where you'll find the hope that you need, like Scotty Smiley did. And that, my friend, is how you'll be able to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.